0: It's okay.
1: Welcome to We're Totally Not Okay,
0: but that's okay,
1: a podcast about the intersection between mass media culture
0: and mental health. I'm Kaylee LeGrand. And I'm Tanya Bevan. Today we're talking with Tori from Tangible Movement. As you'll hear Tori explain, Tangible Movement is a nonprofit organization formed to inspire, educate, and provide tangible support for youth and young adults who are struggling with mental illness, suicide ideation, addiction, and sexual gender identity issues. Twerking towards ending the stigma. Twerking. Twerking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there are dance parties. We should throw a dance party when she comes up to Canada. She's down in the state, she's in California. And, um, we're hoping she, she has men- mentioned that she's going to come up to Canada. Mm-hmm. She's traveling. Um, also uh, she said to Australia, you'll hear, you'll hear her talk. I'm not going to talk for her because this is an incredible conversation and there's really, I mean, I, whatever we can do to create a platform just to bring her voice to anybody else. Yeah. That is what I would love to do. Cause this needs to be heard. Mm hmm. Yeah. Really, really interesting topics. You know, we, we talked about taking a mental health day how that can be seen by others, how her work has affected her relationships, her personal relationships,
0: mm-hmm. and um, using her humor to connect with others when sharing her own story, mm-hmm. which we tend to do as well. Sometimes, I mean, like,
1: we think we're funny. We do. Without further ado,
0: something my name
2: is um, I am the executive director and founder of Tangible Movement. We are a 501c3 nonprofit corporation that was formed to basically inspire, educate, and help provide resources and support for people who are, are suffering with mental illness, uh, addiction, and suicidal ideation, um, and gender identity issues, gender and you know uh, sexual identity issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're an awareness and educational platform.
1: And when did you start
2: it? Yeah. So I started it actually like the inception date was uh, December, 2015, but it didn't really get rocking and rolling until uh, about a year ago. Um, I had doubts with my own mental illness. So Mm -hmm. I, I I would get going on it and then I would, you know, fall off and then get going and fall off. So consistently, uh, we've been consistently at it and growing pretty rapidly uh, over the last year, year and a half, maybe.
1: And this is something that you started on your own or was it a collective beginning? Uh, no, I started it on my own. Um, what had
2: happened was I struggled with my own, um, what do you call it? Uh, diagnosis for almost two decades. Mm-hmm. And, um, I did not want to face the fact that I was bipolar, nor was I properly educated in the realm of being bipolar, that there's different types of bipolar. I thought there was only one type and that oh. was the type with psychotic, yeah, psychotic features. I was not aware that there was four different types of bipolar.
1: I wasn't aware either. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. Right. So, and that was
2: a scary term, you know, like I don't want to be bipolar. That's what I equate bipolar with is crazy. Or when I grow, when I was growing up, obviously. Mm-hmm. And my father was like, "You're not bipolar, this. You know, no, no, no one in my family's bipolar. So the stigma was really real in my family." But to answer your question, um, I happened to be—I had just found a psychiatrist, and uh, I've seen probably I don't know tons and tons throughout my life, and they told me I'm bipolar. I'm like, "No, I'm not." This one, I gave like very little information, and I was more accepting, kind of surrendering at this point. And she's like, yeah, you're bipolar type 2.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and what that looks like is it's hypomanic episodes characterized also by severe, deep, long periods of depression. So hypomania, uh, what that might look like, it looks different to other people, to some people. Like for me, it was massive amounts of spending and, and a lot of anger and rage issues. For somebody else, it might be hyposexuality. Um, and just being a little bit more hyperactive or, um, you know, but but there's no psychotic features with bipolar too type oh, 2. Wow. So okay. I don't think, like, uh, you know, people with bipolar go off and they think they're Jesus Christ or, or whatever, <laughs> a mermaid or something, you know? Like, yeah. that's why I never <laughs> identify. I'm like, oh, I've never lost touch with reality. Like, I've always been in reality, but I've had these periods of hypomania and it could mm. last an hour, it could last a couple of days, it could last a week, um, oh, wow. but typically it's, it's one, to two days, whereas bipolar type one, uh, in order to really qualify, you have to be in a manic state for, um, and not necessarily psychotic features, but a manic state for, you know, about two weeks. Okay. So, yeah, so my doctor informed me and educated me. I was like, okay, wow, this really fits the bill, like totally me. And I accepted my diagnosis. And then, mm-hmm. um, what happened was the Basa clan, uh, was in Paris. Uh, I don't remember if you remember at the end of 2015, there was a mass shooting in Paris. Yeah. yeah. And, um, everybody was posting up pictures of the Parisian flag on Facebook, you know, saying, oh, pray for them, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, I had just started on medication, but I was entering into a hypomanic state. This is all in hindsight now, right? Mm-hmm. Hindsight is 2020. Right. I was going into a hypomanic state. And so I'm like, I'm going to start a nonprofit and it's going to be about doing something tangible. Mm-hmm. So initially what it was going to be about was like something in your neighborhood. It doesn't matter. Like go to a convalescent home and help old people set up their iPhone so they can FaceTime with their daughters, you know, or sons uh-huh. yes, or right. pick up trash on the beach. Right. So that was mm-hmm. my initial idea. I, just, I knew I wanted to do something that was tangible,
1: mm-hmm, you know,
2: mm-hmm. other than thoughts and prayers.
1: Yeah. Something that created action.
2: Yes. So I went home. And I was in a hypomanic state this time. And I created this corporation, filed all the paperwork, built the website, did everything within a 24 or 40 hour period.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yeah.
2: So, and then.
1: Sounds productive.
2: Yeah. Yes. So, and then I crashed for a number of weeks. And then I realized there's another organization that does exactly that. And homeless have the exact same name. So then the medication I was on she, that she prescribed me started kicking in. And I thought, wow, I'm like, duh, I bet you so many people out there have dealt with what I'm going through um, Mm -hmm. and need clarity and education and awareness surrounding the feelings of depression, of being alone, of self-harm, of suicidal ideation, of questioning their gender, questioning life, you know, in general. And so Mm -hmm. I pivoted and created tangible movement. Um, And so that's how it came about.
1: Wow. Wow. That's, it, it's always fascinating to hear the personal stories behind something that, uh, I mean, when we first came across Tangible Movement, it was, it was on Instagram. So it's cool that social media also has that proliferation of it. But to now actually be able to connect with you and hear the story is, is, is so impactful. And to hear about what you went through before you came to it, your, your challenges of, of knowing that you wanted to do something, but um, before you, Find that tangible thing that you can hold on to yeah. and build upon. It's it's super fascinating. Um, when it comes to your personal experience leading up to it, what sorts of, in particular, uh, bipolar? What what examples did you have beforehand? You said that you didn't you didn't even know that there were four different types, um, and that you associated it with this idea of being crazy. And I think that that word also because it's tossed around so lightly. And so often in today's, uh, well, for for how many years now, not just today's society, but um, the word word gets extrapolated. What sorts of examples did you have growing up of what bipolar was to make you hold that idea in your mind?
2: Sure. So growing up, my father, when the doctors first tried to diagnose me as bipolar when I was 14, was like, no, um, no, bipolar people are crazy. You're not crazy. And it made sense to me because growing up, I just, it was called manic depression. It mm-hmm. wasn't bipolar back then.
0: right? And okay. it
2: was like, yeah. And so, um, you know, people will be on the streets, you know, talking to themselves and it's very difficult You can't tell if they're bipolar or schizophrenic or whatnot, but still the word bipolar was a very dirty term.
0: Mm-hmm. And my
2: dad was not about to have that in his family. And my mom, wanted to take me to therapy, so she told my mom, that like, I can go to therapy, but she must, that she's only allowed to pay in cash, and not use insurance, because he did not want that stigma to follow me around for the rest of my oh, life, and have any paper wow. trail, yeah, Yeah. Mm-hmm. so um, that was how my introduction to bipolar began, was there's a stigma around it, it's a dirty word, it means you're crazy, and I don't have it, no matter what any doctor tells me.
1: Were your examples still, um, you mentioned real-life examples of seeing people on the street. Was there anything that you had already seen in media or that people were talking about? I guess social media was very different back then, but did you see examples like in films or in television shows? Or what was the conversation like before you stepped into it? Do you remember seeing anything inside of you? mm -mm. My my dad, my dad's father was the chief psychiatrist.
2: Oh, at, wow. um, yeah, at a mental institution. So my dad actually lived on the grounds of a mental institution. Hmm. So he saw what bipolar looked like, like okay. bipolar type one, right? Mm-hmm. And so he always said, I know these things. My father was a chief psychiatrist. You know, he said he passed. He passed when I was like very young. Um, uh, so I know that you are not bipolar. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: And he would describe to me what bipolar looked like. Um, pertaining to his experience with the bipolar patients that he dealt with in the mental institution that he was he was living at basically right but to answer your question about social media I'm old (laughs) er so uh there was no internet there was no cell phones there was no beepers um you know so when I I grew up there was movies and cartoons but there was the only thing I knew about bipolar is what my dad told me and that it was a bad thing. And that, that means you're crazy. So,
1: right. um, yeah. Now that you're part of the conversation, do you feel like it's changing? A hundred thousand wow. percent. Um, so part of
2: my thing is to go in and to educate people. Right. So right. I, my life would have been completely different if 20 years ago, I had just come to accept the fact that I was bipolar and I knew about this bipolar type two or type three or type four. Mm-hmm. And I just got on the proper medication. You know, my life could have been completely different. I might not have, you know, had to go to treatment like, you know, four times. I might not have tried to kill myself two times, um, but I did cause I was self-medicating and I was on the wrong medication when I was medicated because I was not. I was not being medicated for bipolar. I was being medicated for severe depressive disorder. Hmm. But as so, far as today, yes, all these people are coming out of the woodwork, you know, uh, actors and musicians and uh, TV personalities all coming out talking about their mental illness and their struggles with it, which is amazing. And there's a bunch of apps out there now um, that help with, you know, based dealing with mental illness or depression or, um, you know, like Uber, the Uper app or... Um, headspace and then there's talk space and all sorts of different um, avenues and uh, great technology out there that is uh, a huge resource, something that I never had.
1: Right. Absolutely. And Tanya and I have, we've had conversations with other actors and entertainers, musicians, people in the industry who, um, you know, the idea of having a platform being able to reach more people doesn't necessarily make it, 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 in some ways, for some people, it makes it harder. They feel both compelled to join the conversation for something that they believe in, and yet even more scared to have, I guess, more of a responsibility almost, or the idea Mm -hmm. of responsibility put on them. Has that ever affected you in terms of as it grows, as more people join the conversation with you, do you do you feel the weight of responsibility in a different way from when you began? Or is it, is it an exciting thing to just feel more people gather together around it? That's a really good
2: question. Um, so in the very beginning when I first started speaking out and coming out about my, uh, struggles with my mental health condition, um, Mm -hmm. people would reach out to me, you know, via Instagram and tell me their stories and say they're suicidal and say that they're self-harming and, you know, I would try to talk to them, of course, you know, thinking that it was my responsibility since they reached out to me. Right. And it's not. And that was right. wrong. Um, completely wrong. Um, not wrong in the sense that I did something bad, but inappropriate in the sense that I'm not a licensed therapist and um, I have no business getting advice to somebody um, mm-hmm. when it comes to that. So I, so I, I learned my lesson quickly when – people started reaching out to me just to talk to me, lying and saying that they had mental illness or they had this or that, or they were struggling with being, coming out gay and they were just making it up. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And this happened, as a re- this happened as a result because uh, the ex-girlfriend that I, I, w- I mentioned before, uh, she's a personality, a TV uh, personality. And mm-hmm. it was uh, her fans that would mm-hmm. reach out and, and um, you know, mm-hmm. do this basically to try to get access to her. Oh wow. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. So I quickly pivoted and made it made a, a a firm decision and moving forward with anything related to my my nonprofit, myself speaking or anybody who's associated with my nonprofit that we do not dispense advice mm-hmm. at all.
0: Really um, so, so yeah,
2: yeah. And no advice period if someone comes to me on Instagram or whatever I I I direct them to the appropriate resource. Mm -hmm. Also, when I'm speaking at schools or um, in front of any group of people, I use I statements. So um, I talk about my story and how it affected me and what I did uh, to, uh, you know, get the help that I needed. So when people ask me questions during Q&A and they ask, well, what should I do? Rather than saying, well, you should do this, do that, do the other. I say, well, what I did is this. Right. So I bring mm-hmm. it back to myself. So I'm not dispensing advice. And therefore, there's no liability either for me. Um, right. Because it, cause especially for celebrities, absolutely. Could you imagine like Lady Gaga, like getting a DM and some kid saying they're going like, to kill themselves? She's like, oh, why don't you try taking a hot bath or something like that, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they go take a hot bath and then they, you know, they kill themselves in the hot bath. And then they happen to look back at the DM and so, say, well, Lady Gaga said to do that, you know, yeah. it's dangerous. Yeah. And, and there's liability that can absolutely be tied back to the individualist if, if that's what somebody wanted to do and be vindictive. So mm-hmm. in order to um, protect myself, obviously, and protect my nonprofit and everybody who's associated with my nonprofit, I make it very clear that we do not dispense advice unless you're a licensed therapist or a psychiatrist or a life coach, period. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That. It's home personally. I know when Tanya and I started our podcast, I remember sharing my fear about joining a conversation that we felt we were absolutely going to be opening up to conversations with people who had different stories and different struggles. And I was afraid that I was afraid of any kind of backlash where we didn't have almost a right to, to join a conversation that we felt like we didn't fully encompass or we didn't have all the experiences that other people were were going to have. And it's, I mean, it's impossible. You're not, everybody comes from their own experiences and from their own journey, their own stories. But it was a a sincere fear that I had walking in saying, who am I to start a podcast to talk about things like this? And it, it took me a while to get to a point to feel comfortable where it was just a realization of just opening the space and, and finding the different ways that you still have to, like you mentioned, protect yourself in the process, but also make sure that, yeah. you know, the whole point as you're the, the reason why why you started it is to create that space. And and if people are going to be joining in that space, you can hope you can only hope that they're going to find something that will help them grow in a positive way. But again, it's not your responsibility. Letting go of that responsibility, I think, is uh uh, especially with people that you are close with, you know, family and friends right. and r- romantic relationships, you know, there's, that part becomes convoluted. So, and it's totally. a personal, yeah. it, it's a personal endeavor.
2: Well, also, um, well, there there is one part, there is one area of my life where it has impacted my life being out as far as an advocate for mental health mm-hmm. and being open about my diagnosis. Um, yeah. My dating life has been affected. <laughs>
0: In a, in a yeah. good way
2: or a bad way? Bad way. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I swipe right on somebody, they swipe right, and um, they're like, oh, what do you do? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then they go look at my Instagram or whatever, and there I am yeah. talking about being bipolar. And then all of a sudden, I don't hear from them
1: anymore. So, um, that's, Do you ever look at that as a blessing in disguise to, to more quickly weed out the people that you don't, it's like, it's a filter for you and you don't need those people if they're going to make the quick judgments.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, absolutely. 100% because I did have a girlfriend that did say to me and I was not ever in a severely depressed state when I was with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said to me, she's like, I was just like laying in bed one day. I'm like, I just not, I'm not mentally not feeling great. And, She's like, yeah, I would never be able to handle any of your depressive episodes, period. Oh, oh like, wow. Uh, okay. And I'm like, well, first of all, you've never seen them. And then I know how to handle myself. So, um, yeah. okay. But that relationship didn't work out. There's, mm-hmm. you know, some people just don't have compassion. So, mm-hmm. I and ironically, her, her brother was bipolar. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. yep. Hmm. Uh yeah, so one time uh, I said she wanted to come over and I was like, you know what? I'm having, I just need some space, not from her, or in, in, in particular. I'm like, hey, I just want to be alone. You know, I just need to have a mental health day. Of course. And mm-hmm. um, she, after we dated for a, a while, she told me, she's like, that was almost a break, a ending point for her.
1: Because you took a mental health day?
2: Yeah, because I needed, I felt the need to... Take a day off of life in order to, you know,
0: recuperate.
1: Have, uh, men-
2: yes, a mental health day. Yeah,
0: like yeah, but yeah well, that
2: was almost a that was the final straw almost for me. I was going to break up with you. I'm like, whoa, okay, <laughs> all goodness.
1: right. Yeah, I still find that so fascinating that there's such a divergence between people's understanding as to you know physical health and then men- like the the separation that people make between physical health and mental health because. You know I can remember going on uh I used to be on a track team, and you would go away for conditioning. you'd have like conditioning camps or even just taking a day where it's a physical day. you go to the gym the time that you spend that you put into your physical body to keep it healthy. we don't treat our mental states the same way or our under our understanding of in those conversations we just it's not the same kind of equivocation, so I still find it fascinating that the idea of a mental health day, taking a day for yourself is it's so different.
2: Yes. And I think I could be mistaken. I think some countries in New Zealand or Australia where they actually mm-hmm. um, are, maybe it's England. I'm not sure. Um, are getting allowances now for actual mental health days. You can actually call in and say, I'm taking a mental health day.
0: That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I think yeah. it's, it's large in Europe. Um, and I believe the Asian countries as well. they have, they have that allowance to have mental health days. Yeah, I think it's great.
1: I don't know what it's like in, I'm assuming Japan, like, you know, places like, I, I actually haven't been to Japan, but just from my understanding of the way the businesses run there, I think it, it's almost like a hyper westernization, it seems like. But in, mm-hmm. in places like, um, you know, you go to France, I, I visit my sister there and places close down for lunch, people take time for themselves because they yeah. work to live, not live to work like we do here, yeah, correct, um yeah, absolutely hundred percent, and
2: that's what i'm hoping what I'm hoping to do through tangible movement is to create conversation, create awareness, in an educational platform, and also to change the verbiage, for instance,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when
2: somebody in the when somebody dies uh and they quote unquote commit suicide, right. That yeah. places a blame on the individual immediately by the word commit. So rather than wow. saying they committed suicide, if you think about it, it's, it that creates a stigma in and of itself, um, subconsciously, oh, yeah. without even thinking about it. So rather than saying they committed suicide, I'm trying to make the change or, you know, obviously educate people to say, you know, they died by suicide. Suicide yeah. is the end result of untreated mental illness. Just like when people die from cancer, it is because the treatment either didn't work or they were not untreated. They didn't commit death by cancer, right? No, they died no. by they died from cancer. So no, people don't commit suicide because they actually want people. That's the thing is they think it's a choice. Uh, it's not. People who don't understand, and it's not a choice. It really, truly isn't. Like when I tried to commit suicide twice in my life, it was there was no choice me That was it. That mm-hmm. was the path. That is all I saw as an option, and mm-hmm. there was no. Are we, am I going to do this, or, or, or you know, or basically, there's all these other options. No, that was it. Like my life is over. um My depression had gotten to such a point where I couldn't handle life on life terms anymore. Mm-hmm. um I was. I had suicidal ideations. You know, like twenty a day, just telling mm-hmm. my. You know, for months, telling myself to kill myself, kill myself, kill myself, kill myself. Kill myself. Okay, so there's no choice, there was no choice and mm-hmm. for me and for I know a lot of people who have a survived attempted suicide, and I'm sure for the ones who have completed it, don't see it as a choice. It no. is the byproduct of untreated mental illness, or the byproduct
1: of treated mental illness that, you know, um, didn't work. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you were going through that, did you have the idea of those connotations attached to the word commit? Was that ever part of the conversation in your head with yourself, or was that something that you came to understand later? Um, you mean the, the the dichotomy between the term commit
2: and die by? I I came to the term later, uh, like re- like when I started the the nonprofit, I was like, okay, we have to change the language here. Like, you can't go around saying, you know, people are like, oh my god, she's so bipolar, right? You can't do that.
0: Just like mm-hmm. you can't go
2: around saying, oh he's so gay, you know, or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm, you can't mm -hmm. do that anymore or stop acting so black. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I actually just listened to another podcast episode where Nicole Byer writes a bunch of jokes about that. And it is still still part of the conversations. People still use words like that and say things like that. Correct.
2: And as long as that's happening, the stigma is going to to stick around longer people say oh my god she's so schizo or um, you know that's just we have to change the way that we use language and um, and and I think that's going to be a major part of it a huge major part of it
1: that's part of the education that you you provide how how do you provide that education are you doing seminars and workshops and talks what what does that work look like for you on a daily basis
2: sure so I'm partnered with a couple organizations as well. I'm partnered with NAMI. I, I don't know if you know what NAMI is, but it's National Alliance on Mental Illness, and they're a nationwide organization here in the United States. Um, huge, one of the top mental illness, you know, um, nationwide platform. Um, mm-hmm. So I partnered with them. So I'm a teacher for, that, for them and their program. I'm a certified teacher to, to lead their peer-to-peer cl- uh, classes and to lead their, in their own voice classes. So mm-hmm. I aside from what I do from Tangible Movement, I also teach and um, teach about mental illness, teach classes on mental illness uh, for NAMI. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I go in to speak to schools, universities, and mental health conferences um, on behalf of Tangible Movement, I do a PowerPoint presentation, if it's to a school or to adolescents, right, um, it will be just a little, uh, it will be a short educational tutorial on depression, suicide, addiction, um, and the telltale signs, the warning signs—you know what to do. It's the basic information that mm-hmm. to me basic, but to somebody who's fourteen might not be so basic. Um, right. And then to let them know about the resources that are available that they might not know about. And then either myself or I have—I'm um, not sure if you're familiar with the singer Miguel. Uh, mm-hmm. He just yeah. joined. He just joined on uh, as our main ambassador.
0: So he'll be speaking at schools.
2: Yep, he will be uh, speaking at schools as well along with me. So um, right now what it looks like is I tell my story. And then so I do the PowerPoint presentation, educational support of it, and then I tell my story, Mm -hmm. uh, and then I open it up for questions and answers, and then I refer out uh, resources. So if I'm speaking at an organization in Atlanta, Georgia, then I might have a NAMI representative there just so that I can say, hey, This is your local NAMI representative. This is your Mm -hmm. local affiliate.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: This is a a great resource for you to go to, right? Mm
0: -hmm. So
2: I see myself as a broker of resources. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the the app Uber. Uber? Uh, Yeah, you guys got to check it out. It's an AI-based app that basically helps you with mindfulness therapies. It came up, a therapist, or psychiatrist came up with it. Um, I just formed a partnership with them so I'm now a legitimate partner with, yeah and it's for it's amazing actually you guys gotta download it and try it out it's incredible um, Yeah. but you know and then talk space you know so kind of stuff like that is the, where I go for resources because kids these days they do not want to listen to their parents number one number mm-hmm. two they do not want to listen to a, a school counselor or a teacher but you know who they will, will listen to they're going to listen to their favorite celebrity or their favorite YouTube influencer
0: yeah yeah
2: and so I'm trying to 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 um, you know basically, basically um, monopolize on that and get I have a couple of YouTube influencers that are going to come on board um, and you know be part of this organization as far as sharing their story and what they their their resources that they use because um, mm-hmm. as soon as a celebrity or um, you know their favorite YouTube influencer comes out says "Oh I, I suffer from." anxiety, and this is what I do. And all of a sudden, the student's like, oh, my God, my, that's my idol. Like, I suffer from that, too. Okay, I'm going to do what they do. That's, that's how it happens these days. Like, that's just the way it is. And yeah. they don't want to go sit in front of a therapist and drive, like, 30 minutes in traffic to go sit in front of a therapist that their parents are making and go to sleep. They'd rather be yeah. online and on, on, on their phone or doing FaceTime. And so all these resources that are now becoming available, like Talkspace and uh, Yoper and all of these
1: online forums um, are the,
2: the new way to get treatment.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's incredible that you have other people who are, you know, they have a far reach already who are joining forces with you and making those connections. Um, I, that, that makes me wonder about, especially because you, you have, you have a want to change the language. And Tanya and I are also right now we're going through yoga teacher training and, there's a big focus on using higher vibration language and so we're learning about ways to change what we say into a into positive sentences and how the subconscious doesn't recognize negative words so if you say um, I'm I'm not okay your brain is actually not even recognizing the not you're thinking I'm okay instead which is kinda kinda cool with the Intertwining, we have in say even comedy circles. We do a lot of, we're intertwined in the comedy scenes, and something that has always kind of stuck out for me is self deprecation humor and how that conflicts with this idea of using higher vibration language. You know, you're not speaking positively about yourself, you're purposefully making audiences laugh at you while you're making fun of yourself. What where do you sit on the idea of laughter and and language
2: okay so I spoke last night at an event right Mm -hmm. and um if you were to know me like I find humor in just about everything (laughs) so um if I tell my story I tell my story right Mm -hmm. um if I were to tell it just straight out like just like how I'm talking now, like, okay, I tried to tell myself, and then it didn't work. And it is depressing, uh, super Mm -hmm. depressing, and it's heavy, right? So I absolutely have to use humor in order to create levity of the situation, because first of all, I survived, you know? And Mm -hmm. um, if you can't find humor in certain aspects of, you know, depression, or the things I did, like, for instance, the stupid things I did while I was in a hypomanic state, or you know, the stupid things I did when I was in a depressed state, like I can laugh about them now. And mm-hmm. other people need to be able to realize that too, that this is not like a an illness or the, the condition doesn't lend itself to just be, okay, I no longer have a personality. I can't joke about this. You know, there has to be some form of humor in it. So in my talk, half of the time people are laughing and half of the time they're not, or they're crying. <laughs> one of the two. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, like I'll start it out like, okay, you guys really re- are really ready for a really exciting, uplifting conversation about suicide? You know, <laughs> i laughing. You know, like, hey, i like, I, tr-, you know, so I, 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 I am super self-deprecating. I use myself mm-hmm. as uh, a sounding uh, board as far as humor is concerned throughout every single one of my, my talks. There mm-hmm. is lots of humor involved. And that's not the case with a lot of people. A lot mm-hmm. of people in my realm, they'll tell their story, but it will be very heavy and very, um, you know, sad. And, yes, yeah, my story is sad, right? But mm-hmm. I survived, and there has to be an element of humor in it, or else, you know, we might as well all just go jump in a box and wait. You know? Totally. Like, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. You have to find that humor in, in, ev- in everything, and I think that's beautiful that you're able to. That's
1: yeah, really cool. So do you have plans to take your work to Canada?
2: <laughs> Actually, yes. Um, I reached out to this place. It's called COCA, C-O-C-A, and mm-hmm. they're a, a national – they're an organization that has all these school contacts. And um, I have people in Canada who reach out to me on a regular basis, uh, honestly, saying, please come to Canada, please come to Canada. So mm-hmm. that is Canada, Australia, um, and the UK are on my radar because I do have a base. I have people in each um, each country that really want tangible movement to come there. Of course, it just
1: wow.
2: depends on funding. Um, um, I was just in Toronto actually a couple of months oh. ago.
1: Oh just no! Missed you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna have to let us
0: know when you do come back.
2: Wait, where was I at? Um, I stayed at the Hazelton, so Yorkville.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice area. And that's yeah, right was, above a
1: whole foods my favorite whole foods
0: <laughs> yes yes and
2: uh yeah there was um yeah there was a great place a uh, great i have a friend that lives in toronto and she's here now but um and she's complaining about how cold it is today by the way oh it's it's I'm oh like, you're God. from toronto what are you talking about
1: get uh, over yeah. it i feel like that's the way and we have a lot of friends that have moved down to la as well and that's that's a lot of the conversation. It's almost like they're indoctrinating themselves into That's how they get to be U.S. citizens. They're allowed to complain about those days and forget about what it's like here in Canada.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's raining right now, but it's 60 degrees. Um, but that's Fahrenheit. So I'll tell you that is. It's Celsius for you. Uh, 15 degrees. 15. Okay. okay. So in Toronto, it's negative nine. And she's complaining about how cold it is right now in Santa Monica, California.
0: Oh, she's complaining about your weather. Yeah. <laughs> yes oh man (laughs) i would be like wearing shorts right now
1: (laughs) yeah are you where are you originally from me i'm from orange county
2: california which is 60 miles south of la okay very conservative very conservative town which has led which led a lot to my homophobia and uh all that stuff before i realized i was gay so Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm.
1: So, and, and have you been in California all your life? Have you moved around at all throughout the States or anywhere else?
2: Yeah. Um, so I, I used to own a mortgage and real estate company in my 20s and it went bust uh, when the market crashed here in 2007, 2008. And then I got into the fitness mm-hmm. world in mm-hmm. 2008, became a personal trainer. And um, I, I quickly got a a large client base of R&B artists. Okay. So Ooh, I cool. was that on purpose? Most No, no, it just kinda <laughs> happened that way. Yeah. yeah. Just I got one and then they referred out and then I got another and then I got another and that's how I got and that's how I know Miguel. I've been training Miguel for the last six years.
0: Oh, that's so cool.
2: cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um I would travel with Lionel Richie, I travel you know, traveled mm-hmm. with Miguel all over the place. So I spent years on the road all mm-hmm. over Europe, the UK, Australia, Canada, um where else? Um, mm-hmm. westernized world basically mm-hmm. so basically mm-hmm. all over the westernized world for a number of years and, and every state in the in the united states i've traveled too so cool. uh, i have traveled extensively
0: yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really that's really yeah. awesome did you notice a difference between like um, america and europe when it came to mental health or anything like that while you were doing oh, your workout stuff? Yeah. 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 Oh, and before I forget, my mom's Canadian and my grandma
2: is Canadian and my grandma was, is from Saskatchewan. So I'm Canadian. Oh. And
0: Native.
2: Yeah, yes. yes.
0: You represent. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. So you have to open it up in Canada for sure. Yeah. yeah. I know because I, I have that easy legacy
2: visa process apparently. Yeah, yes.
0: totally I get,
2: do. It. Yeah.
1: We're doing, the, we're doing the reverse. We're looking to get our visas for, I'm going to a visa workshop after this, actually, to come down to the States. Are you really?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So we're going to have to visit each other in each other's states. <laughs> That's
2: amazing. My friend from Toronto, um, uh, she's here. Um, she, she met with her immigration at 20 yesterday because she's trying to get, you know, her, continue her work visa. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Interesting.
1: <laughs> so what about um, even just hopping across the border then, to go back to Tanya's question, um, Europe as well, but is there also a difference between, did you see a difference between the U.S. and Canada?
2: Yes. Uh, Canada, the U.K., I would, I would say the U.K. is definitely the hardest as far as um, people coming out and speaking about mental illness and, mm-hmm. you know, having an open and honest conversation about it. I'd say Australia is number two, mm-hmm. Would be Number two, uh, as far as difficulty in people coming out and talking and expressing that they are, they have a mental health condition. Uh, And then Canada would be the third, Uh, you know, likely place where people, third easiest, I guess, compared to the United States, I'd say it's fairly common now place for people to have a discussion about it, at least on the West Coast and on the East Coast, not Mm -hmm. so much in the middle America. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, but Canada a little bit more difficult not not nearly as much as the uk or australia
1: is there do you find that um even though both sides of the country of the united states are opening up more to the conversation do you find that they have different approaches to it or um is the conversation different say from like la to new york just the voices that are joining no. No
2: no but i can i I, I can tell you is like, there is a huge divide between the bible belt states that we call them or we also call them the flyover states because mm-hmm. okay. um, i speak I speak in these states and um it's very 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 difficult to um get a message across because especially in the bible belt states um they believe Jesus is supposed to say is supposed to cure your mental illness mental right. defects or mental. And so to get somebody to actually admit that they need help outside of Jesus um, is very difficult,
0: mm.
2: extremely. Mm-hmm. So you are battling with religion, basically on that side, uh, within, middle, within middle America.
1: And what about your, do you, uh, do you practice any religion?
2: I, to, I studied a lot of religion in school. Um, I mm-hmm. went to a Catholic high school, but I'm Jewish. I mm-hmm. had a bat mitzvah. Um, mm-hmm. I studied religious studies because I was so fascinated by the fact that so much bloodshed had happened over religion, right? Yeah. yeah. So I was fascinated by it. Um, but no, I do not practice any religion. I am um, I do believe that there's a higher power, for sure, because I'm definitely not the ultimate deciding authority on life, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, my higher power, like when I run in the morning, I do. I run five miles every morning, usually. Uh, and then about five o'clock in the morning, and I stop by the beach and um, mm-hmm. I talk to the ocean. The ocean is my higher power. And then I oh, say cool. 10 things that I, I say 10 things I'm grateful for. And then I continue to run.
1: Is that your morning so practice? You do you 10 grateful yeah. things? I'm
2: oh, not uh, 10 cool. grateful. Just I say 10 things I'm grateful for. And usually it's like my dog, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> my apartment, um, You know that I have money in my bank, You know, very simple things. But it takes me right back to. Well, look, I'm not homeless anymore because I was, you know, seven years ago. I was homeless living out of my car. So, totally. Yeah. So um, I, I practice little things like that. I don't do yoga anymore. Um, I used to, I tried. I just, I can't, the people are breathing in there, you know.
0: <laughs> and, like, I
2: look up and there's downward dog and there's an ass in my face. And I just like, you know what, yeah. like, this just is not for me
0: and then well, the guys
2: yeah. are wearing shorts and then I can see their balls wet like dripping down my yeah, legs yeah, I'm like yeah. oh my god like get yeah. me out of here
1: so going to an ashram where everybody is just tightly packed in there is not your thing you don't want to be a sardine absolutely in there absolutely <laughs> not my friend from <laughs>
2: Toronto she's like you have to come to Nam Yoga they they want to know all about tangible movement blah 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 I'm like I'm like that's fine you tell them about tangible movement
1: I'm like, I'm not going to yoga. I'm not doing it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's funny because we, we, it is a very different energy, space to be in, like, going from that to, like I said, Tanya and I just came from there sitting with our yoga teacher and, and, you know, we're going to be going over to the uh, an acting studio that we work at after this and, you know, sitting with comedians and, and just the energy is immediately different. And it, it's kind of cool to move from circle to circle and just witness the different vibes that everybody has. <laughs> do, do you feel totally... that... Do you get affected by that? Like when you're traveling a lot, and it must be a lot for you to... Um, you know, you, you you seem like a very aware person, and when you're meeting so many different people, and like you said, they're sharing their stories with you. What what is it like to have those different vibes constantly? Great question. Um, I I'm
2: a Leo. I know that that's not a, Me a too. big thing for. Oh, are you okay? Because I was like, yeah. aliens, I don't think you're really into astrology, but in L.A. Oh, and I, and I have are. to be into yeah. astrology. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So by nature and when I grew up, you know, I was more of an extrovert, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. for work, I'm an extrovert. I'm an extroverted introvert now. So That's after, what I call if myself. I have to go out, yeah, if I have to go out and deal with people, I can only really manage 90 minutes at a time before I'm, <laughs> I'm literally exhausted. Yeah. So. um And if I'm out at a party or I'm in a big event, like one day, the next day I'm not talking to anybody.
0: Yeah. That's it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I'm by myself with my dog or or if I'm traveling, you know, on the road, I'm by myself going on a run or, or just walking around the city or whatever, but not having any interaction with people because Mm -hmm. it's a lot to take on. You take on all that energy.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: And, and if I don't take care of my mental health, then, um, Like I said, where my stuff manifests is anger, really. So then I'll start just getting really angry. And you can feel that coming off of me because it's like it will, it just radiates, you know. So,
0: um,
2: So I have to be very careful with my own mental health when I'm dealing with it. And that's another reason why I don't take it on. Like another reason why I refuse to give advice. I'm not a therapist. Everybody's like, "Why don't you be a therapist?" I'm like, "I don't want to be a therapist. I don't want to sit in a room with somebody for an hour and have them dump all of their stuff on me. I'm like, I'm not meant to. I'm not made that way.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: I'm like, I, I'm. I think I'm here for a resource. I'm a resource. I'm a conduit. I'm a broker. Mm-hmm. I. I'm an educator, and I bring that awareness, and I pass off to these people who have the heart and the ability to sit there and take on that that heavy energy for hours at a time throughout the day. I just don't. I
0: can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah."
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. And so when you you mentioned your dog and running, are those ways that you recharge? Or Are there other ways um, when you revert just to yourself when you're at home, how do you recharge yourself?
2: Yes, Uh, running um, Mm -hmm. um, and watching crime shows. Anything serial killer related. Anything (laughs) serial killer related is my jam.
1: Have you seen the series on Robert Durst? of course <laughs> it is incredible In it all.
2: okay <laughs> yeah yes yeah. i see i watch nothing but crime shows. i don't know any about what movies are out right now or probably the last like five years yeah. i don't really watch anything on netflix other than crime shows and yeah. i watch the news the news and crime shows honestly the news um <laughs> having the news on Uh, calms me down (laughs) oh wow really yeah and the crime show I I, when I get home I put CNN on I put CNN on I know it I should not be calmed by that but it's like okay (laughs) yes this is like my calming laying down with my dog take a nap that's it so nap running crime shows news nice cool cool (laughs) no yoga no yoga no um, sound bath down bath, meditation, breathing stuff like that, like heavy breathing, or
1: no, you know, not Just so the bad. crime shows in the news. <laughs> it's funny because crime shows. Yeah. Like I have to be, I have to be in the right headspace to watch crime shows and to watch the news. I studied a lot of it in university, and I hit a point that actually affected my mental health. And I hit a point where I had to cut myself off from consuming news because I was, I was being so affected by it. My empathic side was just sucking it in and letting it affect me. So <laughs> okay. I had to I had to keep it away from myself. I wanted to be a politician so I actually interned in the White House
2: under President Clinton. Wow.
1: wow. And and is that a high stress environment for you? <laughs> was that No that you that you thrive on it. that kind of environment. Yeah. Yeah, I cool. loved it. Um yeah. it does seem like you have, you know, you, you have you have the gumption that, that fits with what you're doing now. It seems like you'd, you'd be able to manage that pace with ease, I'm assuming, to, to be able to work in the White House and, and seeing you now transfer that energy into something that, you know, it's, it's near and dear to my heart and I know Tanya's as well. It's really cool to see you put that kind of momentum behind this. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it's just
2: once you hit a certain age, at least for me, I felt I needed to get back making. I've I've made a ton of money in my life. I've lost a ton of money in my life. I've been homeless, so collecting a paycheck, um, mm-hmm. it doesn't do it for me anymore, yeah. or didn't stop working for me. Um, yeah. it I had to start getting back, and that's what refuels me. Is when I give a talk at a high school, when I do the presentation, that gives me energy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If I'm at a party though, or if I have, or if I'm talking to people afterwards and and it drags on and drags on. That becomes draining. But when I speak and I know I'm educating people and you bring about awareness,
1: then um, it
2: absolutely invigorates me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very specific kind of connection.
2: Yeah, yeah. So Mm
1: -hmm. I advocate for yoga. I tell people they should do yoga. (laughs) (laughs) They should meditate
2: and do sound baths, right? I I, I can't say, hey, go watch serial killers.
1: Yeah, yeah maybe asleep. not.
2: Your forensic files, like, put forensic files on and fall asleep. That works for me, you know?
1: Yeah, but it's not going to work for everybody.
2: Not, no, most people, it won't, so.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, Tanya and I, we're, we're looking to shake up the yoga industry anyway. We're, we're creating, our classes are going to be rage yoga classes, <laughs> where you just scream expletives through every movement. <laughs> oh, okay, I could do that. I have a really bad potty mouth.
0: Oh, perfect. Oh, so do I, yeah.
1: Great. Then when we take it down into the States, we're going to connect with you. We'll come down to LA and start a chapter down there.
2: As long as I have, like, 20 feet around me Yeah. from the next we'll get, person.
1: Yeah. We'll get fences <laughs> And
2: everything. And the men have to wear yoga pants that so can't see sweat dripping down their legs. <laughs> coming from. I swear, I like... I can't, I'm like, oh my God, get me out of here.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll have a, a Tory specific class and we'll put the guidelines up put on it, the wall. It, bubble, put, put yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. You're helping us shape it up. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. We've been chatting for about an hour and I don't want to chew up too much of your, your time, but is there anything else that you wanted to plug or talk about or, um, or or, and store any last stories that you wanted to share before we come to a conclusion?
2: I would say to people who are feeling, you know, if they're spending a lot of money randomly or they're having a lot of sex randomly or they're self-harming or um, they're having fits of rage and anger, not to let that go as a one-off or, you know, consider that, that that might be an indication that there's something deeper as far as the mental health condition is concerned
0: mm-hmm. and to
2: definitely go get it checked out. Because a lot of people just think, Depression is, oh, you lay on the couch, right? Or bipolar, you're crazy, you're, and you're on the street, and you're yelling, you know, imaginary things. Yeah. That's not the case, and that's usually not how it manifests at first. Um, yeah. You know, so be aware of your body and your actions, and if you're draining your bank account on a regular basis or, you know, engaging in binging behavior with food or anything else. Um, yeah. could be a good indication that there is something deeper going on, and I would definitely recommend seeking out some sort of, um, help mm-hmm. to identify what is happening. So I, that will be the, um, uh, the only advice that I give. Um, and then as far as plugs, yeah, um, visit www.tangiblemovement.org. And if you have a lot of money and you want to get rid of some, please click <laughs> the donate button <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: because what we're working on is a curriculum. We're working on an actual curriculum that I want to introduce into to the schools, like your sex ed, you know, um, oh, awesome. I want to have mental wellness ed. And so, uh, and we're also developing an app. Um, cool. So we need money to fund that. Um, mm-hmm. So anybody who wants to is listening, it's a little quick, put the money in there. It's really simple. It takes two minutes, two seconds. Uh, Be very grateful. No donation is, you know, too small. Uh, We're also on Instagram, tangible movement. And then we're also on Twitter and we are also on Facebook. So there's plenty of places to find us or find whoever, uh, for whichever medium that they choose. Um, Wonderful. And on one other thing, if anybody else out there is listening and they are an administrator at a school or a university um, and, or know somebody who is would like to have me come speak uh, please reach out.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. We'll be sharing all of those plugs in the copy for all of our listeners as well. And we're we're looking forward to having you come up to Canada and coming down to do rage yoga for you.
2: <laughs> okay. I. <I'm... laughs> oh, my God. Now you're worried. If I say yes right now, I'm totally okay. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll definitely be in Canada because I just feel the pull happening there. Okay, um, yeah. Maybe after I go for, like, a 20-mile run, I I might be tired (laughs) enough and just, like, dead enough to engage in rig yoga, but we'll...
1: Yeah! Either that or we can just (laughs) shavasana, we'll all just fall asleep on the yoga mats. That's what Tanya and I usually do for open practice. We just lie down and take a nap. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's good. I can do that. I'll, I'll show up and take a nap during radio. Since I can fall asleep with people talking about killing, killing, you know, like murder. Yes, I'm sure yes. I can fall asleep like, to people screaming and um cuss words. So same I,
1: I think we just found our promo video.
2: <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, cool. It was so wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time, Tori.
2: Oh, and that was a complete total pleasure. um If you guys have any follow up questions, please let me know and. Um, I hope you guys stay warm and have a great day and good luck with your rage yoga and good luck with your (laughs) comedy acting stuff and all that stuff. Thank
1: Thank you. And good luck to you as well with your endeavor. Yes.
2: Thank you. You guys have a good day. You too. Take care.
0: Well, that was awesome.
1: Yeah, that was a really fun interview i'm i want her to come up here i'm really excited and i also really want to go down there and see if she'll do rage yoga with us (laughs) we will not force you to do rage yoga
0: we won't even force you to do yoga no
1: we won't for we don't you don't force anybody to do yoga but you will the the surrounding perimeter beware because you will hear our rage yoga classes
0: yeah i already feel bad for my neighbors because they hear me rage Yoga.
1: I already feel that we're going to, wh- whatever spaces we rent out to do these, we're going to get kicked out. Like, our what, <laughs> back our contract back. will be broken pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. That's part of rage yoga.
1: Clearing that throat chakra.
0: So, um, speaking of rage yoga, what's your uh, one cool thing?
1: It's not rage yoga.
0: No, it's not mine either. It's still laughing. I still like... Uh, I still like laughing. I just... I
1: don't <laughs> like... <laughs> You broke. Um, my one cool thing, um, actually, it it is kind of fun noises. Um,
0: fun noises. <laughs> I'm intrigued.
1: It uh, yeah, I love how it's taking me too long to even intro this because uh, I'm looking for it on my computer. So there's this sound engineer. His name is Felix Bloom. At least I'm assuming that's his name because that's his website and. That's also the name of the artist that I found on podcast. Um, I think it's just on my podcast app when I was driving around one day, um, not searching while I was driving, but I was listening as I was driving to... I just wanted to listen to rainforests. I don't know why I got a craving. I just needed to not be in the city sitting in traffic. And I was—I think I was trying to think of like, what is the furthest thing away from what I'm actually physically in right now? Because I had already spent enough time meditating that day and at yoga, just sitting in an awareness and being in my own body and right where I was. I'm like, done with that. Cool. Now let's go somewhere completely different. So I started, I looked up, Rainforest, I think, I I've searched for on podcasts, and and this this fella popped up, Felix Bloom, but he also has, first of all, specific rainforests from different places around the world, and the more that I listen to his material, the pickier I get about what rainforests I want to listen to, and <laughs> like, but there's such a difference, and it's so cool to hear them, and it's, it's in it's insane that this guy has gone around the world and captured all these noises for now somebody who's just sitting in her car on the DV parking lot John Valley parking lot the DVP for those who are um, not Toronto listeners it's it's a it's a parking lot and and I'm starting to actually like recognize the differences of rainforests Pat on my back his sound library has also, like, screaming monkeys and wailing alligators and, like, just, just the strangest things. Um, I think he's also a photographer because if you visit his site, felixbloom.com, he he has some beautiful images that go along with some of the noises, some of his noises. So go check out his noises if you just kind of want to escape or if you're into noise meditation or if you're you're not able to sit in silence. That's actually how I started meditating was not. With sounds. I couldn't I yeah, had no. to I had to chant I joined a, um, like a Buddhist circle and, and I would go and do chanting So some more noises for you guys. That's my one cool thing.
0: Well, my one cool thing is a one cool thing slash challenge <clears throat> Ooh. so As we've said multiple multiple times and you probably don't want to hear it one more time Kaylee and I are doing our yoga instructing and one of our coaches actually made a practice with us for a few weekends where we had to go for a walk we had to walk around and observe our surroundings. We were not allowed to use our phone or even talk. We had to walk in silence and observe around us. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was such a really cool thing that I've been bringing into my own daily life is just keeping my phone in my bag and just being aware of my surroundings and what's around me. And I think it really it really it, it brings you back to being a human and realizing how fucking cool our world is and just being able to like see everything and not be so indulged in our phones because so many times nowadays you're walking down the street and there's someone in front of you like schlupping along looking at their phone scrolling through instagram i'm like dude get your head out of your phone and just look up look at the sun you know so that's my one cool thing and challenge
1: i do that sometimes not gonna lie yeah yeah, I can be that asshole on the sidewalk sometimes. So
0: maybe you should be walking around with your phone in your bag.
1: I that I, I don't do a lot of walking anymore. I need to do more walking. I mean, now I'm doing more walking purposefully because of the work that we're going through. And I've realized I'm trying to do it more in my car, too, to just also turn things off and just look around
0: well you shouldn't really be looking around while you're driving you should be no it's great
1: my car drives itself it's a it's a pretty futuristic car i can literally set the speed i can tell it to stay within the lines and then i just hop on the highway and go straight put my feet up it's nice um but what i've noticed you know when you get sucked into your phone have you what i've become more aware of now that i'm doing these meditation walks i'm aware of the moment when i suck myself out of that vortex that's pulling me into my phone. It's almost like I can hear the noise of me pulling my attention out of it. Do you yeah. ever feel like that?
0: Um, not so much anymore, but yeah. Or like you'll just go and reach for your phone because there's nothing else to do. It's weird. Yeah. Or like you go
1: to look that. for your phone and it's already in your hand.
0: <laughs> I've never done that.
1: I'm pretty sure there's a story somewhere out there. Probably one of our other podcasts. Yeah. Anywho. Um. I love those. I love those cool things. And I also just love, we, we didn't even remember to mention it to Tori, but she had, I mean, everything that there's, she talked about was just so interesting and so noteworthy. So there's, everything, everything about her is cool. I want to yeah. yeah, meet her. We
0: want to meet you, Tori. Mm-hmm. And all the cool things you talked about, will definitely have in our, um, what do you call that? The written statement part? Plugs? Plugs. We'll plug that shit, y'all. In the copy, in the notes. Yeah.
1: Cool. Yep, we're going to plug it all down below. So if you are looking for any of the links or the resources that were mentioned in the show, they will be in the words. In the, the written words. words. You're going to have to look at your phone. Yeah. Okay, now pull your head out and go for a walk. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
0: podcast you can support it by subscribing to it on itunes soundcloud stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts you can also leave us a rating a review which sincerely helps us and we absolutely love come hang out with us on instagram facebook and twitter and send us your questions recommendations and cool things at we're totally not okay at gmail.com
1: thanks for listening to we're totally not okay
0: but that's okay